0: Hey, stay right there because I got Paul Taylor from Winger coming up and we're going to chat about his whole career from starting out with Aldo Nova to Alice Cooper to Winger to the TV and film work that he's done, making music for that, uh, to co-writing the new Skid Row song, the music with Mick Mars on on Mick's new solo record. Lots of great stories and insight from Paul Taylor, one of the best in the business coming right up. Oh, and a special shout out to Stevie Rochelle from Tough for this awesome t-shirt, if you can see it. It's very cool. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to follow Stevie Rochelle and Metal Sludge and Tough on social media. Stay right there. Okay, please welcome Paul Taylor to the show. How's it going, Paul?
1: Hey, Chuck. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, that's exciting. So right off the bat, I got to ask you about uh, the new Skid Row song, because I love that song. The gang's all here. Now, you co-wrote this with Rachel and uh, Snake?
1: I did. Yeah. Uh, We, you know, Rachel had asked me like, you know, we were just talking the other day. It seems like it was yesterday we did, it, but it was actually in uh, 2018. He said, hey, you know, we might need a couple other tracks for the record. You know, do you want to get together and try and bang something out? And we had noodled on a couple other songs. And uh, so I said, yeah, sure. So we got together and just uh, cranked it out and, you know, got as far as we could. And then Snake was coming to town. So he came to my house the following, I think it was the following day. And the three of us got together and kind of finished it up. And, you know, then we made some mild changes later. But, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, Those guys are, I love those guys. So,
0: what is your contribution? Because I mean, I know that song backwards and forwards. I don't know how many downloads it has on Spotify, but half of those are probably mine. Like, I've listened to that so many times.
1: Oh, man. I, you know, like I had some riffs. We started with a riff, I think, that I had, and we just went from there and, uh, you know, we uh, worked a little bit on that in my studio on the lyrics and stuff. And then, of course, Rachel took it and made a meal out of it, you know? So, mm-hmm. okay.
0: But it yeah. was
1: a Collaborative effort and those guys, you know, they know how to write a song. So I, I just I felt blessed to just even be asked, and you know, but little did I ever think it was going to become, you know, the first single. And I don't even think they knew till way later in the game, too. And I, you know, so it was okay. It was a lot of fun. Yeah,
0: I love it. it. Sounds like it was written in 1990, like right between their first and second albums. It sounds like it's right in the middle of that. I love it. I love the way it sounds.
1: Yeah, that's what people are saying. Huh? It's great. You know, I, I the fun part of it for me is that it's, you know, good high energy song and, you know, yes. uh, you know, being a keyboard player, everybody's always asking me to write ballads and stuff. And uh, so it was fun just to write some ripping up tempo rock song. And then, of course, uh, you know, they've done a singer change. And uh, Eric is somebody that I had seen on one of the cruises three years ago. And me and Kip were out on the pool deck and heat came on and we're like, man, who is this guy? You know, and Kip's like, God, that kid's a star, man. So uh, he definitely sings his buns off.
0: Yeah, he sounds amazing. Like, I I mean, they've had a a few singers, but this guy, yeah, you're right. He's like a star. Like he really I I don't know if it was the new song and the direction with the new singer. I just everything about that new song is amazing. So I'm I'm looking forward to more. Did you write any of, of the other songs?
1: Nope. No, I, did, they did have some other outside, You know, like I think Marty Fredrickson wrote one and maybe the uh, uh, Lizzie, you know, from uh, hailstorm. So I, wow. did, uh, you know, those guys, they know how to write a song. I mean, you know, they can crank them out. So uh, anyway, and I, but I will say, I've heard some of the other stuff on the record and it's really good, man. They, they, really? Does
0: it all sound like that kind of era of like the 1990 kind of era, or is it kind of more eclectic?
1: Oh, gosh, I, I'll leave that to everybody to you know, determine. But I, I just was like, wow, this is a really strong record. So,
0: oh, I can't wait. I, yeah, that was a, they were probably my at one point. They were like my number one favorite band in high school. I really liked them a lot. And then it because I grew up in Seattle in the 90s. So then it was like, oh, shit, like we're losing all these like hard. rock. It was more of the grunge, which I, I like that, too. But, you know, I really like the more high energy, fun stuff like that. It was a lot of fun to listen to that.
1: I know it's the stuff I heard was rocking, and of course Nick did an incredible job producing. And so,
0: wait, Nick, who what what's Lennox? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he worked with like Foo Fighters and stuff, right?
1: Revolver and all kinds of bands. He's uh, he did a fantastic job.
0: Yeah, and then now you're also you wrote with uh, Mick Mars and Jacob Button for Mick Mars solo record. Can you talk about that?
1: Well, I I can I can say yes, I did. Okay. uh, I can say, as Mick would put it, yeah, it's really mean. Uh, it's it's awesome, man. we uh, we spent a couple of years just putting ideas together, and you know, basically going off what Mick had created, uh, like the guy is just incredibly, you know, he comes up with the most unique stuff and um, gave us a lot to work with. And uh, we all just kind of got together and put them into in kind of a chronological order, and, you know, slowly, uh got a record happening so uh yeah looking forward uh, we're hoping to get that out uh at the end of the year and um it's it's very heavy and it's really really interesting i think people will be really surprised so are you like a full are you playing every song or was it just a couple songs that you played with or co-wrote or all of them except one he did an instrumental at the end so like yeah. Uh, You know, uh, we, we wrote, you know, nine songs and put it all together. And, uh, I'm, I'm so excited about, you know, it finally coming out at whatever point it does, you know, of course that's in the hands of, uh, the label and all that now. So I'm just, uh, I'm moving on to other stuff here. I got a lot of winger dates coming up and, um, you know, I'm actually working on uh, maybe a record for just me, which I've never done before. So,
0: oh, that would be fun.
1: Yeah, it uh, just uh, it'd be like Paul Taylor and Friends because I'm not a great singer. I can sing backups, but uh, I've got a bunch of leftover material for all, you know, things I had tried to, you know, pitch to Winger or, you know, any of these other projects. And so I just thought, man, I'm just going to get some of these recorded up and have some different friends sing on them and uh, see, you know, just just not to have it go anywhere or become something amazing, but just to do it just for me, you know?
0: Hmm. No, that sounds, that sounds awesome. Would you, can you say who the friends would be? I mean, I could probably guess cause I you have a lot of friends.
1: Well, any of those incredible singers I've been lucky enough to work with, you know, I, I don't have any specific guys in mind for the specific songs I've got yet, but as I finish them and kind of go, okay, I'm hearing so-and-so sing on them. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll give them a call and see if, uh, I can get them to help me out.
0: Okay. Yeah. My only advice to you would be shoot for the moon, baby. And, and ask for those like people that you think are going to say no, ask anyways, because you never know. They might say yes.
1: They might. They might. And I'm, I get it. If they say no, I, I understand, you know, yeah. I a lot of stuff going on. And, you know, so, and it's just like I say, it's just a creative fun thing that I, I probably should have done it a long time ago. You know, I've got mm-hmm. some stuff left over and I used to write a ton of stuff for TV as well. Right. And so I just like, you know, and there's, there's all these just pieces of things I never finished. And so it's just kind of a good excuse to get some of those done and, and out there as well. You know? So would that be like a
0: total, that's gotta be totally eclectic then. Right. I mean, it's everything from your career.
1: Um, yeah, it, it's all over the map. I mean, you know, not that I'm going to release some of this, you know, I, I had to write tons of pop stuff for TV and, you know, R and B and blues and Motown stuff. And, and, uh, you know, I, that stuff's in catalogs and, you know, it's on TV all the time, but mm-hmm. I, um, now this, it mostly just kind of, you know, it's definitely in the rock genre, but you know, uh, changing styles from anywhere from very, very heavy stuff all the way to kind of almost journey ish, you know, since, you know, I used to work with Steve Perry and all that. So I was writing a lot of ideas kind of, you know, in that vein for the three years I worked with Steve. So
0: awesome. And then you, you said the new Winger, I think it's the seventh album, is it's already written and is it mostly done? It's just we're just waiting for a date on that.
1: Yeah, it's done. And uh, we, um, I think Kip's just mixing it at this point. Um, you know, everybody did their parts quite a while ago, but of course, you know, our band. We're scattered all over the U.S., so with us, it's kind of not as simple getting stuff together. Sometimes, you know, like when we do a show and we switch the setup, it's like, oh gosh, well, everybody do your homework because we're not going to be rehearsing, you know. Uh, but it was fun this week, uh, this year. Uh, w- right before we did the cruise, uh, the Monsters of Rock cruise, we got together and did a two-day rehearsal where we were finally able to, to work on some new stuff that we hadn't done, and we we put together a, a medley of uh, all the bands that, or well, not all the bands, but some of the bands that we'd all played in, hmm. and that was a blast. And we we did it, and then we thought at the end of the day, rehearsing, and we're like, God, is this going to go over? Are people going to think it's dumb? And we said, Well, let's just do it the first night on the cruise, and if it goes over, you know, we'll do it again on the second night. And we were just, bl- I mean, that was probably the best response to anything we've ever gotten. And uh, so we did it both nights. And now uh, whenever we have John Roth uh, playing with us, we'll we'll do we'll probably do it because John's singing newton you know a number of the songs so
0: oh okay
1: he's got, he's got a lot of dates with the starship and we've got rebs out with white snake and so what this year is a lot of uh maneuvering so
0: yeah and yeah now would you tour with mick mars and the solo stuff or would he i mean i guess he's got that stadium tour so who knows
1: yeah that'll be up to mick and that would be off in the future and i, I've, I haven't heard anything to that you know i know he's got a lot to do with motley so
0: does he live in nashville because i know you're in nashville right
1: yes he does. Okay. So maybe years. at
0: least you could do a local show or something. That would be fun.
1: I would love it. That would be up to him. And, you know,
0: do you love see it. guys like that? Like you must see those people all the time in Nashville, like uh, just run into them at clubs and things. You
1: do. You do. I, you know, I, I you know, there is a small town and, you know, not, not all of them like to get out, but I mean, there's a few guys that like to get out and, you know, like I see Vince Gill in town a lot. He loves to go eat breakfast like I do. And, uh, you know, just you, you'll spot a few of them out. I've seen Reba quite a bit. You know, it's mostly the country people, of course. Mm. Although, uh, as you know, like uh, there's a ton of 80s rock guys here now. So, yeah, yeah, a ton of them. Um, Rachel
0: uh, from Skid Rose there. Uh,
1: Nelson's you know. and, uh, you know, Hailstorm and uh, a million. I you know, Dave, uh, Dave Mustaine was here for a while. At right. Yeah. Brett Michaels was here for a while. And yeah, that- uh, Mark Slaughter. Yeah, Troy and now didn't
0: you live next to Jeff Labar from Cinderella? Wasn't he like your neighbor?
1: He, he lived across the street from me, and I, I we didn't. And I mean, we, that was about fifteen minutes out of town. And I'm one day I'm out scraping ice off my windshield, and this car pulls somebody's like, "What are you doing here?" And I'm like, I'm looking at Jeff, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" And he's like, "Dude, I live in that house," and so it's just crazy.
0: Yeah. So it's so sad that he passed away. Do you have any other memories or stories of of him? Did you guys hang out a lot?
1: You know, of course, in the past, you know, over the years, Winger had done a lot of shows with Cinderella, including the one big one where we kind of got the band back together with Poison and Cinderella and us and, uh uh, faster pussycat. We that was in o two. Mm-hmm. And we went out, and that's kind of when we rebanded the band, you know, and uh, but, uh, you know, so I, we would say hi and stuff more in those days. but, uh, of course, I went on to go play in o twelve. I did played keyboards for two months with those guys, and uh, that's where I got to spend more time. and Jeff's just a great guy and miss him a lot. and uh, very thankful that it was, you know, couple months before he passed away, I was at a barbecue, just a small barbecue at a studio. And he was there and Eric was there and the three of us hung out. And, uh, you know, you, you just never know. I, little would I think at that barbecue, that would be it, the last time I'd see him. So, but yeah, good guy and so talented. And, um, you know, what a great stage presence and great guitar player. And, you know, he's got a son, Sebastian, that boy, he's like a little spitting image of Jeff and and also equally just an amazing little guitar player. So,
0: Oh yeah. I was supposed to have, I think somebody had mentioned, maybe I should have him on at my show. I, sh- I probably should reach out.
1: Yeah, he's a great little guitar player and uh super good kid. And uh, you know, he's out there doing it, you know, carrying on the torch. It's gotta be hard
0: as a younger musician. Like what advice would you give to younger musicians? Cause the industry has changed so much since when you started.
1: Oh man. I, I know. I, you know, honestly, I don't know. I, I I ponder it all the time because it's changing faster than I can keep up with. And it's, it's just hard to tell. I mean, I don't think anybody knows, you know, we're just all hanging on for dear life and grateful that we still have the shows coming in. And, um, yeah, I, you know, God, we've had so many little bumps in the road the last couple of years, of course, with COVID. I mean, that wiped out, you know, two years of shows for us Mm -hmm. and, Uh, And then even once we got going and they would randomly get canceled because somebody, you know, even if we were healthy, you know, somebody at the venue would get sick or so. um, But, yeah. And and just the way you make money or, you know, the whole streaming thing or or Mm. don't money more like. But, um, you know. (laughs) it's it's a tough biz these days yeah because on the
0: one hand it was like back in the day it was like you got a record label or record deal and that was like okay you did it but even then it wasn't for sure but now it's like you don't even need a record label but then it's like what how do you get to the top you know it's like i don't it seems so competitive i mean it was competitive back in the day now it's even more competitive
1: i can't even imagine being a young band trying to stand out in the, you know in the crowd i mean it, like you say, I mean, there's just bands everywhere. And, you know, uh, anytime you're on the Internet or TV, all the TV, you know, there's just talent everywhere. So I think people have become really numb. You know, you find a new amazing guitar player, or an incredible new singer, and everybody's like, oh, that's nice. And I've heard 10 great singers on um, this or that show, you know. So I don't know. Uh, you, you just keep going and, you know, just whatever. I just kind of look for whatever kind of comes into my immediate area and i go oh man they're cool and i i know them now and i'd love to work with them you know uh and for me like uh writing's always been kind of the thing that i just love the most Hmm. and uh you know i if i had to stop touring tomorrow that wouldn't hurt me as much as if someone said well you get to tour but you can't write you know Hmm. that's my creative outlet i just love putting stuff together in the studio and Do you get approached a
0: lot by younger up and coming bands to write or play on their albums or things like that?
1: I do. And I've kind of not been doing it, uh, over the last year, especially And a lot of them have been from overseas. Mm. And uh, I just, you know, just for the same reason, I don't even do zoom rights or anything. I just, I, I like to just be in the room and just have that immediate interaction when I'm writing. So, or, you know, and I guess, I don't know some people it's easy for them to do that, but I just, I like to have people there. So,
0: yeah. Well, so when you started out, I mean, I guess your big break would have been the Aldo, Aldo Nova thing. And you auditioned for him. How many people do you remember? Or do you even know how many people you beat out to get that
1: job? Uh, None. <laughs> really. What happened was he came to the Bay Area, which, and I don't remember why he was in San Francisco looking for the band. He might've known one of the guys because we had Kevin Carlson and Billy Carmasi, Denny's little brother was the drummer. Okay, He had come to town. I'd actually met him at a party and he was around for like a week. And I'm like, everybody's talking, oh, Aldo. And he had this, you know, tape under his stand. He's like, this is my record. And, you know, we were all like, we didn't know whether he was telling the truth or not, but of course, you know, he was. And so he put a band together and he had a keyboard player, but I guess within the week had decided he just didn't care for him. And so yeah. he had remembered meeting me, and the other guys all knew me. And so they said, Yeah, we can get a hold of him. So he, they did. And I just went down and played a few songs. And he's like, Okay, you know, you're it. Which at the time, I didn't know what I was getting into, you know, but boy, uh, first thing they did was send us to LA to shoot uh, the fantasy video and also a video of Ball and Chain. And uh, we didn't even know what a video was. <laughs> we're so like, crazy, because that was '81, late '81, yeah. and MTV came out, I think, in '82. And they said, "Oh, it's this thing that you know they make little videos to play in between Showtime movies." And we're like, "Oh, okay." So we got down there and like, "What do we do?" And they're like, "Just act like you're playing." And uh, you know, but boy, I, you know, the record came out, and that single, you know, "Fantasy" just shot up the charts, and. Uh, we went out initially with Hall & uh, for That was our going to be our first tour. We got out for about a week and a half, and then Billy came down with Chicken Pox. So we got quarantined off the tour. And uh, by the time he got well, the record was just, you know, going through the roof. And so we ended up taking off with Blue Oyster Cult for two months. And then we played the Pasadena Rose Bowl, sold out with Blue Oyster Cult, Triumph and & Journey. And I, I just... I mean, I, I couldn't even believe it. You know, I'd never played anything bigger than a club, and all of a sudden, I'm playing for seventy-five thousand people. You know,
0: that's amazing. And that yeah. that really that kind of led to Alice Cooper. But wasn't it the story that like you would produce the demo for Vane, and then they that's how they found you, or so that kind of helped.
1: It is. You've done your homework. uh Yeah, I uh, I me and Davy grew up together, Davy Vane, and. Uh, would always sit in coffee shops down in Cottingtown Mall in Santa Rosa and look for girls and you know what you know thing young guys do I guess and uh, but we uh, we it always hung and funny enough Dave used to come and see we had a band called Stark Raving Mad and Dave used to right. just come and follow us and all that and one day he bought our guitar player Donovan's guitar Les Paul but he didn't play or sing or anything and it had to be like less than a year later. He calls me one day and goes, Hey dude, come see my band play at uncle Charlie's. I'm like, you're, you banned. Like when, when did you, you know, I didn't even know he had tried to learn how to play guitar and definitely not be a lead singer. And I went down and, you know, I remember just going, well, this possibly couldn't be very good. You know, he's only been doing this a small amount of time and I walked out, they played and of course they had all the hair and the, you know, and Davey, was just like I've never seen more confidence coming off a stage like I was like man he's a star you know like he he just was just amazing I was shocked I remember walking out going okay I wouldn't have called that one but uh yeah so we we you know we would mess around with music a little bit but Kat Zerdowski, uh who we all grew up with as well who went on to become a big you know, manager for a lot of people. Um, she had taken this little demo that they had asked me to help them with. And I, and I wasn't a producer or anything, but I just said, look, I'll, I'll help you guys as good as I can. And we did some songs together. And I think I even played a solo on one of the songs and Kat took that tape and she's a total go-getter. And she mm. sent it all over the place. And a girl in new york saw my name on there and recognized it from the aldo days and was like and she was trying to find members for the alice cooper band so yeah um she's like hey are you the guy that played with aldo and i said yeah and she's like man we desperately need a guy that can play guitar and keys equally well and sing backups for alice are you interested and i was like oh my god yeah so that's awesome was that you know
0: and so did you record I thought I heard you say that you recorded under my wheels with axel and was slash on that one too
1: no just axel it's axel okay
0: but that I, must have been did, were you there when axel was there in the studio
1: you know I don't think I was that all came down right in the final weeks before I left Alice to go with winger and I remember it was causing me some flight mm-hmm. I had to fly between London and New York to kind of because I was just transitioning you know me and Kip Kip had left first we told, you know, we wrote some songs that whole first year and we got a deal on Atlantic and Alice was like, that's great, man, go do it. So I had told Alice I would play. We had some European dates and I had to finish those out. And I think they recorded, uh, all that stuff with Axel before I got back. I mean, that's so long ago. I can't even Hmm. remember, but, uh, it was fun, but we did do some stuff with slash. We slash came down and Rob Zombie, uh, when we played, uh, when we recorded the live record down in Cabo with Alice.
0: Oh, that sounds Uh, fun.
1: Oh, it was really fun. You know, you know, we did it at Cabo Wabo. Sammy was real nice and gave us the club for two weeks and, uh, and and he got up and jammed with us and it was a blast. It was an amazing two weeks.
0: Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. So you leave Alice Cooper and then you, you, you guys go off and do winger. Um, you only did two of the albums. You didn't do the third one, right? With pole.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Then we, me and Kip had been literally in each other's face for six straight years, like, you know, inseparable. And I think, you know, you would got to take a break from, you know, and it was just like, we'd look at each other. We weren't fighting, but I think we were both just like, Oh my God, you again, you know? So I, uh, I left, I, I was kind of getting tired of the road at the time and I, I left and joined up with Steve Perry at that right time. And, uh, and, and, the timing was kind of interesting because it was only about, I think five months later that, you know, I met Kip and Reb uh, at Jerry's Deli in LA and they told me, Hey, guess what? We're, we're calling it a day for a while. Cause you know, things were just, this was like, Oh gosh, I don't even remember what years, but you know, the shows, the 80 thing had started kind of dying down and, you know, so. Yeah. It was like perfect. You always had it seemed like you always were
0: able to like kind of jump ship and then like move on to the next thing just like perfect timing.
1: Dude, I have been really lucky. I, I, I mean, you know, I, I have some talent too, but I, you know, everything's yeah. timing. I mean, I, I've been really lucky. Uh, you know, it's been quite a run. You know, it's funny now I'm getting older and kind of going, God, you know, can't believe I'm still doing it and falling into things. And, uh, you know, it's great. It's no, it's.
0: That's really cool. I, I love, I love the first three. I mean, I love all the winger albums really, but those first three, especially, but that's, is it the second one that had in the heart of the young? Right. Cause so I didn't know the story, like the album was done. And then this was like a warrant cherry pie thing where they're like, Hey, where's the rock songs? Where's the, the hits. So he had to go back in and write uh was it can't and, get enough and easy come, easy go.
1: Came after the record had been finished and handed in and the label was like, What is this? Yeah, they thought it was way too progressive, which now over the history of all of our records, you you know, things like Tin Soldier or Rainbow and the Rose. We've got some pretty prog songs, you know, but uh, and that's, you know, Kip's brilliant mind. I mean, the guy is, you know, the body of work that guy's written since I've known him and the whole thing with, you know, I mean, he's got the San Francisco ballet performing one of his things and, you know, Nashville symphony just performed. Uh, he wrote a symphony for them two years ago. That's unbelievably good. Um, And all the wow. stuff written and cut, you know, done for the winger stuff is just mind boggling, you know?
0: Yeah. So the song, I love the song. Can't get enough. The way he sings like it's understood. Did, did he, did he come up with that? Was that on the demo or is that something Bo Hill? came up with after in production? Or do you even know? I don't know if you know if for yeah, the singing parts. And,
1: uh, um, yeah, because I have the demos and stuff. No, Kip Kip gets them the way he wants them. And then, you know, okay. Bo's part in it would have just been purely, you know, I mean, he came up with ideas as well, but, uh, you know, mostly kind of the engineering part of it. I mean, Kip, is he knows the way he wants stuff to sound, you know?
0: Yeah. Now, you guys, after that second album, is that when you toured with Kiss?
1: Oh boy, my time. Or
0: did oh, you man. did tour with Kiss though, with Winger, right, or no? Uh,
1: I did uh, yeah, no. Okay. Shade, you know, uh, it was right before Eric passed away, which just blew us all away as well. I mean, what a nice guy, and uh, so, so sad. But yeah, we did. Um, it was us, Slaughter and Kiss on that tour, and uh, I can't remember how long we were out. I think about a month.
0: Oh, okay. You but know. you have any memories of that like everyone's got a good gene simmons story is there do you have a gene simmons story do you have any interactions with him or
1: oh you know i none that i can really remember but gene uh i mean what a personality i mean the guy is bigger than life and you know it's funny and i you know my buddies uh ryan and um all the guys that are playing we're playing with him on his solo thing and now we're out with ace freely uh so i got to hang out a couple of the solo shows and uh, you know it was fun to see Gene not being in Kiss. You know, he kind hmm. of loosens up a little bit more when he was just hanging with the guys in his own thing, and hmm. so that was fun to go see.
0: Oh, that's really cool. So, I mean, you, you uh, like I said, we talked about you joined uh, Steve Perry, and you and you actually co wrote "You Better Wait," which was a top forty single in nineteen eighty four. Which was hard to do if it was, if you weren't doing alternative or grunge in the nineties to write a rock song that was a hit. That's a pretty big accomplishment there.
1: Yeah, I mean. You know, but I think Steve had been gone so long, I think people were just really anxious to hear his voice again, you know, um, and we worked a long time on that record uh, we, and we wrote it live. We wrote it jamming in a studio. Hmm. Uh, at at, a third encore in Los Angeles in studio B. And, you know, we would see bands come in and they'd rehearse and then they'd go out on tour and come back and they're like, Oh, you guys are back too, huh? And we're like, no, we never left (laughs) because we were just working on these songs for a long time. But, um, you know, that was a fun project. And, you know, what an amazing band with Moise Lucas Jr. on drums. I, to me, one of the most underrated drummers on the planet. Um, we found him way late in the game after auditioning every best drummer on the planet. Um, and then we had little Lincoln Brewster, who at the time looked like he was 10, but I think he was 19 when we put the band together. Uh, just a tasteful, phenomenal guitar player. And Lincoln's gone on to have a, an amazing career in the Christian artist, you know, thing and uh, real great sounding records he's putting out. And then Todd Jensen, our bass player, is now actually playing with Journey and I will see him tomorrow night. Uh, so, yeah, it was. wow. Uh, yeah, that was kind of ironic that he got that gig but he had also played well he also played with me and alice cooper and he'd also played with neil in hardline so i guess it was uh you know any you know him and dean are very good friends so Mm. i guess it was a natural fit that uh he would get that gig as you know the fact that he toured with steve playing all the journey songs and all that
0: yeah i i like journey i don't know I don't even know if you know, or if the, maybe this is a dumb question, but what is this, the history with Steve Perry and journey? Why did they, I don't even know why they broke up or if there's bad blood or I know they got that new singer and he's amazing, but I'm just like trying to figure out like what happened there. Like, why did they.
1: I think Steve just had gotten tired, you know? And I mean, uh, you know, man, they put in a lot of years and I, yeah. I get it. I mean, there's times where I just like in the, you know, at the end of the six years with Kip with, the, you know, Alice and into winger and, I was just starting to fall apart, man. It's like, God, I, I want to take a break for a while and just be in a studio and write. And, you know, the road can really be grueling. Uh, so, um, I think it was just, he needed to stop for a while, you know, huh. and kind of just recharge the batteries and, um, yeah. Hmm.
0: So when you like things slow down in the nineties and maybe people aren't calling you as much to tour, like, what, what is that like as a musician? Do you have to just kind of sit back and wait and hope people call or do you call around and kind of ask and put the feelers out there? Or?
1: Okay. So in the nineties, honestly, other than the Steve project, when that kept me going for three years, thankfully, but uh, honestly, I mean, f- for me, uh, you know, I, it didn't work very well. <laughs> I mean, it was the first time in my life that all of a sudden I didn't have something and then months went by and I still didn't have it. And then a year. And then I, started panicking. And I, you know, I I got, it bummed me out. I got depressed for a while and kind of was like, and got snippy with people. You know, I I don't know, man. I, it it was the one time in my life. I think I almost started kind of falling apart, you know? And, uh, you know, but I, I just fought it every day. I was like, okay, I need to figure something out here. And I didn't know how to record. And I thought, okay, well, I'm going to go for it and buy stuff for the studio. And, you know, computers were just starting to become the thing. And Computers were the last thing in the world I ever wanted to be dealing with. That's why I was a musician. But <laughs> I realized at that point that's the direction it was heading, and so I got some stuff and I took a year and I sucked for a long time at it because I was ADD and couldn't sit in a room for longer than ten minutes. But slowly I started doing it, and I was I got a thing where I got to write a couple of blues things for a, a TV deal uh, through Mark Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ian Mark wrote a song and it placed, and then it placed again. And he's like, man, let's write some more. And we started doing it, but my recording was average at best. And, um, but I just kept at it. And like at about, it was about 2000 where all of a sudden I got asked to do a series of songs and I did them. And I was, I remember thinking, okay, I'm getting this. And I was spending longer and longer hours just editing and making stuff sound good. And, So then I just took off writing tons of stuff for TV and film, uh, along with Mark and a couple other guys. And uh, I've continued to do that on the side, you know, all these years. I think I have over 300 songs that I've written just for TV. And it bums me out because I don't have the publishing on them. So I can't even really play them or or put them on, you know, every time I do, you know, because they're Hmm. on by either Warner Chapel or Universal. And hmm. I'm not really allowed to do what I want or play them when I want, you know. But
0: so, how did you, you said you just kept at it. Did you take lessons on how to record or did you read books or did you have someone help you or classes? Well, or anything, I wish or?
1: there was all the YouTube stuff. Like, yeah, there is. right. No, I, you know, and back then, anything you tried to put in your computer didn't work with the other thing. Like, you know, okay, I'm going to run Pro Tools, but I'm going to run it with this interface. And of course, error message, you know, and I'd call, I'd sit on phone every day, you know, with, uh, you know, tech support and the tech support would say, no, it's not our thing. It's their thing. And uh, it was very, very frustrating for me. Um, You know, I, it took everything for me just to kind of keep going and and uh so I, and of course, I had some friends that were better at it than I was, and you know I would drag them over you know I tried not to bother them too much, but you know, so it was a very long process for for someone like me some some of my friends, man, they just have that brain, they yeah, pull stuff so, up, you know, but yeah,
0: so two thousand is when you think it you kind of got there, so when did you start doing all the t v stuff and trying to record was it like ninety five or
1: I mean, probably around ninety-five.
0: So it took about five years of trial and error, and just pushing well, through, I mean,
1: and it was about th- it was about three years. It was about three okay. years where I kind of just was floundering a bit, and you know, in a good solid year where I was just really trying to get good with the equipment and all that, and you know, huh. but because uh, well, like I say, if it was now, everything you know, like you know, you throw it in a Mac and all the things read each other and everything's smooth, but not in those days, you know? Well,
0: I feel like, yeah, even now I, I struggle with that stuff too. Like for my podcast, getting like the, there was, I got a new camera and I was like all oh, excited because I was go like, oh, this camera looks so nice, but I it doesn't sync with the audio. And so that was a giant nightmare trying to even with YouTube. It's sometimes hard to figure out how to do stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, or, you know, like I've gotten pretty good. Like I'm, I'm, I'm very good with logic. I've been using it since before they even had audio with it. Wow. That was my first one. I really got great at and I've been using it pretty much, you know, since the e-magic days and of course, Apple owns it now, but I also run pro tools and I, I mess around with uh, Ableton and all those are pretty, you know, it takes me a little bit and I go, okay, I get it. I, yesterday I downloaded light- a free trial of Cubase. Oh my God. I, you know, that I one. I've never I, even heard of that one. Oh, it's, it's a lot of, a lot of film composers and people use it. It's, it's called Cubase Pro or okay. Nuendo and, Man, uh, that I opened that one up and it is a whole different animal that I am not going to be messing with. Uh, I know it does a lot of great stuff, it, okay. it's a great program, but it's, uh, you know, for a guy that does what I do, where it's pretty much just songwriting. Yeah. Uh, Logic definitely does everything I need. And, uh, you know, and I use Pro Tools to be compatible with some of the other people I record with just so I can you know, trade files back and forth, but
0: right. So, yeah. So although you said 300 songs, but the biggest one has to be the Sabrina, the teenage witch theme song, right?
1: That was an amazing, you know, that one did real well for me. Uh, Does it
0: still bring in money? Cause that show's still got to be on like in other countries randomly, like random times. And
1: yeah, my, my friend, Danny Lux, who actually was here for dinner last night, he's moved uh, to Nashville now he was swamped at the time and he was doing the music for Sabrina and they had decided Sabrina was going to go off to college and they needed a new main title. And he's just like, dude, I don't have time to do this, but if, if you want to go for it, go for it. And so uh, I, I gave it a shot and uh, just lucked out. I mean, it took three tries. They, they kept changing their mind on what they wanted. Um, and then we landed on this one and they said, Hey, bullseye, you know, make it five seconds longer. We don't care how you do it. And you got a main title. And I, I mean, I was happy because at the time I didn't have a lot going. That was around the same time that was about in 2000, just as I was starting to get good at recording. And I was like, wow, hope this happens. And, you know, I I couldn't believe it when I got it. And then, boy, the check started rolling and I was like, okay, that that was a great little song for me. You know, I kind of lived off it for 10 years.
0: Yeah, that's okay. See, that's what I wonder, because like there's a guy here named Roger Klein. He was in a band called The Refreshments, and he wrote the theme song for the show King of the Hill. And I I was like, I wonder if he just lives off those royal. I mean, he does other stuff, too. But I wonder if that was a big piece of how he could continue to make music.
1: Yeah. Main titles, uh, you know, if if it's on a major network. Yeah. Titles are worth a lot of money and they're very hard to get. And uh, I'm so lucky, you know, that Danny was nice enough to, you know, hand that over to me. So,
0: yeah. And I heard you say now that it's even more competitive to try to get those things. And that's like such a big piece of money in music, I think, because you don't get, you don't make any money off the record sales. Right.
1: Well, not a lot. That's for sure. You know, I mean, uh, the best thing is if you're a band, you can get out there and, you know, I see all these bands now, like, you know, that are doing coffee or or their own beer, like Dream Theater's got their own beer and right. uh, of course, merch. I mean, merch is a, you know, you, you the percentages on merch are, have always been better than record sales. So, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. I've heard like some ba- band, what was it, the band the other day that said, we're a traveling t-shirt sales company and we play jingles to sell our t-shirts.
1: <laughs> That's pretty accurate.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's crazy well yeah. so I want to ask you about this I heard you say in in the 90s I mean obviously that was a tough time for winger and like one of the things was like Metallica and their video like throwing the darts or whatever but I heard you say that Metall- did Metallica call and apologize to Kip for that
1: they, they've talked um uh, yeah I know that Kip and them correspond now so yeah it's uh wow you know uh, I don't know exactly what was said but okay. it's like, oh, we're all good man you know and like he said t- they were texting the other day and I that's great, man. That's the way it should be, you know?
0: Yeah. I love to hear stuff like that. I like lo- Cause that's like, yeah, that's just cool to hear that when people, everybody, I like everyone to be friends, you know, it's like, why not?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, and to their defense, I mean, we were all a little cocky and, you know, in the old days, everybody was competitive and, Uh, I I
0: found this picture of you. It's so funny. It's a band picture and your hair is so freaking like, how did you even get your hair that big? I gotta, I gotta show you. You probably seen it, but it's like, your hair is like, it's like a foot taller than Kip's. It's crazy.
1: Insane how big. Yeah. I just, uh, what are you going to do? Uh, yeah, I, I honestly, I was the only one that never used any products. I mean, my hair was really coarse and wiry and I kind of pull it out and, Yeah, there's some very funny photos from the day. I mean, I I say these days, it was like a walking palm tree, you know?
0: (laughs) Right. No, it's (laughs) funny because like everyone was like doing 80s parties and stuff a while back. But then like there was a few years ago where there was actually a 90s party. And then I was looking at all the nineties fashion. I was like, you know, the nineties fashion was maybe even more ridiculous in the eighties. I mean, it was just like these weird little things. Like everyone had the scrunchies and the flannels and the Doc Martins. And I mean, some of that stuff looks looks ridiculous now too. So it's just the sign of the times. Like
1: Yeah, you know, it's always changing. And, you know, like back in the you know, 70s, we would have been laughing at guys that were dressed like Elvis with a slick back hair, you know. Yeah. It always changes and you know, uh, The best thing is if you can look back and just laugh at yourself, you know? Oh no. But I mean, the music is still (laughs) that day and laugh at yourself, you know?
0: But the music has stood the test of time and people are still coming out to see you. I just saw you guys. That's actually the first time I've ever seen you. You played with Skid Row and Warrant in that casino in uh, Arizona a few weeks ago or a couple months ago. And it, it was amazing. It was a giant venue. Lots of people, everyone's screaming. It was a fun time
1: fun show and of course we were opening so we only played i think like eight songs so it was pretty much all singles on our set that day but um yeah that was a fun show i mean i remember hearing oh it's gonna be in a pool area and i thought pool area like who's gonna show up but i got out there and i was like i saw all the people i was like man that was an amazing turnout
0: yeah now are you guys doing uh so i want to see you do a headlining show because how long do you play if it's if you're headlining do you play like an hour and a half
1: You know, uh, I think it's usually about an hour and 15. Okay. uh, shows. So, yeah. And we've got, man, uh, and you're in Arizona. Yeah. Um, we're playing in Tucson. Oh, uh, but I don't know if who we're playing with or if we're opening or headlining. I think that's our show. So, uh, you know, absolutely. Uh, oh, I'll come it. down.
0: Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. That's only like two hours away if I'm if I'm around. If it makes sense, because um, yeah, I'd like to see more, like more of the deep cuts and stuff. There's so you have such a great catalog. Like I was listening to the to the first two albums today to kind of refresh my memory. I was like, oh, some of these songs are really good. Like, is it Poison Angel? I, I like that song. Yeah, that I was have a deeper cut. But I was like, oh, this is like a good riff. Yeah, yeah, that was
1: always a fun one to play. We have. I don't think we've played it in years, you know, but it was in the set at one point. And, you know, the more <laughs> records you have out, it starts getting tougher and tougher to figure out which songs to play. And But we try and kind of get a good mix between the ballads and the ones we have to play and the rockers and then the proggy type, you know, stuff like Rainbow or Tin Soldier. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I love the the
0: down incognito. I know you didn't, uh, you weren't on that record, but you get to play that song live now. Like, do you like that
1: song? Oh yeah, it's so different. You know, I don't think I probably it probably took that one probably took a little bit to grow on me because it's so different. But um, yeah, it's fun to play, and I mean the the crowd just everybody's singing that one. So yeah,
0: Yeah, that was cool. Like I went down and I I found the steakhouse where they filmed that video, and I took a picture, and then I, I. Put the caption you know uh and you commented on it. i was like well oh, this is kind of weird like i'm i'm posting this picture and the, the the keyboard player from the actual band is commenting on it like that was pretty cool
1: yeah i vaguely remember that yeah that's cool
0: yeah, yeah that's cool um so is there anything i'm mean, god you've done so many i mean steve perry You've written a hit TV theme song. Like you've toured with like everyone. Is there anything that you haven't done or any, anybody that you would want to either meet or jam with or, or tour or write with that you haven't been able to yet?
1: Oh God. I mean, well, I said this on another podcast and I, I, I probably should come up with a, a little bit more of a variety, but, um, I, I would love to write a song with pink of all things. Um, I think super talented. I, you know, yeah. I mean, I've, I've been to two of her shows and they're a couple of the best shows I've ever seen, just the pacing. And I mean, man, she can build a song, um, like that, you know, the ba- the duet she did with Steven Tyler. Um, and just, she's, she's awesome. Um, is she in Nashville? No, I don't think so. Okay. I don't know where she lives, but, uh, I just throw that out just for fun. Cause I just, I, I just walked out of her shows going, man, I, you know, I went the first time kind of just going, ah, you know, I know it's going to be probably more pop and all that. I tried to see a lot of different stuff and we walked out of there. Just, there was a bunch of us that went, I'd gotten like 12 tickets, uh, cause my wife had access to a, a suite and we, I was with Jimmy from train and some other people and. Oh, we, Jimmy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And we just were all completely floored how good she was. So you
0: what does your wife is she in the business or something or how does she get the sweets
1: No just she's in marketing and radio she did radio uh, a lot of years and so just through that so yeah
0: Is that how does that work like do you have those connections can you just call people and say I'm Paul Taylor like give me good seats
1: <laughs> Absolutely not <laughs> <Damn it. laughs> No I, I tell That would be like I one know, of the best I benefits know, to- can I get in No, I wish I, you know, I'm fine. Some of the bands, like, I mean, like, if Skid Row was
0: in town, you wanted to see them, I'm sure you could just call them, right?
1: If it's my buds, yeah, of course, you know. And a matter of fact, we're playing a a show with them uh, Saturday night. It's going to be Quiet Riot, uh, Us, Warrant, and Skid Row in Kentucky.
0: Oh, that sounds, that'll be, that'll be a blast.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. Uh, And I guess, I guess Rudy's back in Quiet Riot, so that'll be fun to see. And, you know,
0: yeah, what is your thought on that with the Quiet Riot stuff? Because people hate, and they're like, "Is only one original member?" Or at one point, I think there was no original members. But for people that want to see Quiet Riot songs performed, I mean, there's really no other option. If you, if I want to go and hear like a, a Quiet Riot album track, the, the only way to do that would be to go to a Quiet Riot show.
1: Yeah, or a tribute band. And you know, my thought on that is, it's like. It's music. It's, you know, like no matter who it's coming from. And yeah, if, if you get the chance to see the original band and there's most of them in there or or like in Winger's case, weirdly enough, all five original guys, uh, which is very rare, of course. Uh-uh. Uh, and that's when we don't have subs because, of course, John and Reb are constantly, you know, doing other shows. But, um, I, you know, it's, it's music is supposed to make people happy. And, I, you know, like. We have a journey tribute band in town that plays called Resurrection. They are fantastic. And I go down there and have beers. I'm friends with the guys. And it's a blast. You know, I and there's moments that I mean, and after playing with Steve Perry for three years, I would know there's moments that they're so good. I kind of forget who I'm watching because, I mean, they really nail it. So, um, you know, and the place is sold out every time, even if they play two nights sold out because people want to hear those songs and. Uh, you know, and yeah, I'm sure they would all rather see the original people doing it, but as time goes on, that's getting tougher and tougher, you know? So. Well,
0: yeah, and then it's, well, the other thing that's going on is now some of the uh, the original members, people are saying, well, they can't, they can't do it. Like, I mean, I don't know if you saw this video of Bon Jovi. It was like, it was one song. I didn't see the whole concert, and everyone's saying, oh, he needs to hang it up because he, I don't know, he cracked a couple notes or something. I don't know. Do you have an opinion on that? Like, is there a time where bands need to maybe hang it up, or do you think maybe he just had an off night?
1: God, I, I don't know. I, I mean, that's uh, up to the band, and, you know, uh, uh, I don't know. I, yeah, I haven't heard anything, but I've heard he's having a rough time, which is really sad. I mean, I, I if there's anybody I sympathize with, it's the singers, because even the ones that are pulling it off pretty well, it's hard for them, you know? It's hard for Kip and all everybody. I mean, as you get older, your vocal cords thicken. And we all wrote songs back in the day that were through the stratosphere high. Right. You know, but uh, like in Kip's case, I mean, he works very hard to be able to do these shows. He warms up and he does cool down exercises and he's very careful and he doesn't party. And, um, you know, and I mean, you know, like he says, it's like, hey, man, this, this is a lot more fun for you guys than it is for me. You know, because I have to get out there and constantly be, you know, worried about my voice going down, you know, and, and that's with all of them, you know?
0: Yeah. That's gotta be, I can't imagine. It's gotta be so hard. Yeah. Cause you're right. You're when your voice people age. And then it's is like, like you said, you wrote these songs in the eighties that were like screaming. And it's gotta be, those are gotta be some of the hardest songs
1: to sing. I, I just can't imagine trying to scream. Yeah, I mean like that, the scream at the beginning of Madeline, I'm always just amazed. He just wails it out, you know, still, I mean, he, yeah, uh, you know all the work he's put into preserving his voice has definitely paid off you know and,
0: yeah i saw you guys live just the, those couple months ago and everything sounded like top-notch it was it was incredible i was really impressed
1: thanks yeah it's fun
0: fun okay uh well i guess that's all i have for you i mean yeah with unless there's anything else is there any other projects you have that you can talk about i thought that you had said something about you're working with somebody who was like top
1: secret well that would have been mick
0: Okay, so that one's out. Nothing
1: else. Say that, uh, you know, we had worked on some stuff. So uh, and it's, uh, you know, keep your ears peeled for it. And probably the end of the year. And it's as he says, it's mean.
0: (laughs) I can't wait. That's going to be amazing. And because I don't think there's a new Motley album. So this is like what we got is a new Mick album, which is pretty cool, too.
1: Yeah, that would be awesome and uh but you know that's about it you know other than just gonna start really focusing on getting some of these songs of mine out and i'll probably just release them one by one you know i don't i'm not know gonna put out a record i don't think you know i just wonder- why not you should do a whole do like the
0: the paul taylor box set i, I don't want to hear it all
1: yeah yeah the paul taylor and friends is what you know uh are you wonder-
0: gonna put out the uh demo of miles away with eric martin because i can't find that anywhere
1: About to to uh mention eric i he's one person that me and eric have not written you know in years uh, i mean since like the 80s probably uh and uh he's definitely one guy i'd love to do another song with eric you know uh,
0: was he was he kind of like was he always really funny because he was so funny on my podcast i never met the guy and he's making fun of me and just like acting like we're old friend i was like is he always like this?
1: always like that okay. Always has been and yeah yeah as long as i can remember and i mean that's you know I, I mean, me and Eric go way back. I found Eric in a, I went down to San Francisco to a club called Mabuhay in the seventies. And he was oh, the seventies. Damn singing in a band called kid courage. And I was like, Oh my God, who is that guy? And so I told my friend Donovan, man, we got to have that guy for our singer. So I found out they were playing the next week again. So I went down to see him and I was going to get to know him and stuff. And he wasn't in the band anymore. And I'm like, hey where's your singer and they're like we well, don't know you know and so anyway long story short some girl that i knew knew him and just said oh he's in sacramento at his mom's for a while and so i long story short contacted him uh i was being managed by stevie nicks's brother and so they flew us down to la and that started a year long thing down in la of us recording and uh, writing some songs that are hysterical. And when we listen back now, you know, like we, once again, we were trying to do songs that were way up there. If you ask Eric about it, he'll be like, Oh man, those guys were always making me sing. You know, he, <laughs> like he was on helium <laughs> we This song called lonely. And Oh, it's when I hear it now, I just die laughing, but you know, that's how you learn, you know, you just write some stuff that sucks and, you know, you get better and, or hopefully you do. And, you know, I still write stuff that sucks, but at least I'm smart enough to instantly go, "No, that one sucks." Out, you know.
0: Oh, I'd love to hear those old ones. Oh, that's that's always fun, especially the demo, because like I just hear you guys, you both like rave about it, and Kip raved about it, and I'm like, oh, I kind of want to hear this
1: the demo of Miles Away. I, that was kind of before. I, I mean, I still was terrible at recording. Um, and, and that was actually before I would tried to get into all the computer stuff. So I had a little four track thing. So the quality of it's horrible, but Eric sang the crap out of it. I mean, yeah, he, he is even through my lousy sounding demo, uh, his voice, you know, solely sold the song to everybody. And uh, quite a few people had heard it and had interest in it at the time where and then Kip heard it. And I would gotten, you know, in Winger and he's like, dude we need to put that on one of our records. I'm like, okay, great. I'm glad it has a home, you know? Uh, so isn't it
0: winger's think... biggest hit? Hmm? It's winger's uh, biggest hit, right?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, it is. according so, the
0: charts yeah. huh? according to the charts or whatever. It's the highest charting single for whatever that's worth. It's pretty oh, cool.
1: I think so. Yeah, it's great, man. I, you know, it's always good to see, you know, a song ha- have a home and have people respond to it and, uh, you just never know. You just write what you feel and put it out there. And sometimes, you know, that's what I've learned. Like, sometimes I'll just think I wrote the best thing. And, you know, I've got a couple of friends that I bounce stuff off of. And, you know, every, every once in a while, I'll just write one that I think I knocked it out of the park and they'll go, eh, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> "Ouch!" Well, you know, but that's the thing about songs. You know, there there is no better or worse song. I mean, I, there's a lot of songs out there I don't like that, are huge hits and vice versa. You know, I, so, you know, and that's oh, even my TV stuff. I would get really caught up in trying to write really good stuff for TV. And then I'd like, I'm, I'll never forget like five years ago, they asked me, they're like, Hey, can you write like a grunge, grunge garage type thing? And so they gave me some examples and it was all this really non-melodic stuff with these fuzz guitars. And I'm like, God, I don't even know if I could write something as bad. So I wrote this kind of song, but I was still doing what I naturally would do, creating melodies. And I'm like, okay, I got to dumb this down. And so I got this singer, <laughs> and I'm like, dude, if you can just d- sing like on the chorus, go down and just don't sing any real melody and kind of just don't sit, phrase it like you're drunk. Just kind of, and he goes, okay. and he goes, it's like acting or something. I said, you couldn't sing it bad enough. Trust me. <laughs> And, and so we finished it and it was kind of i don't know i was like okay that's not my kind of music and that thing has placed a lot i mean it was real high energy but just sounded like noise and really it was placing and every time i see it on one of my statements i'm like man i need to just get out of my own way and write anything for tv you know because that's it, fascinating it can you say which song that is God, I'll have to go look up what it's even called. I mean, with that many songs, I get my statements, and a lot of times I can't even remember. I see song titles, and I'm like, which one is that? I have to go back and, but I'll I'll dig it up. I, you know, we'll get together when I play, play Tucson, and I'll play some of this crazy stuff.
0: Okay, yeah, sounds awesome, great. Well, uh, I always end each episode with a charity. Is there one you want to give a quick uh, shout out to here at the end?
1: I, I'm, I'm always giving to St. Jude.
0: Uh, Okay. Yeah. I've promoted them many times. I'll put that in the uh, show notes along with, uh, I guess what I put wingers website, you don't have your own website. So,
1: yeah, I don't. Um, but yeah, I always, uh, me and Mark Slaughter and some people took a van ride down from here to Memphis one day and went down there and they gave us a tour, uh, all day at St. Jude and wow you don't walk out of that day without just going, you know, the place operates on, it takes back then, which was like 10 years ago, a million dollars a day. And it's, you know, 95% donation uh, that comes in to keep that place rolling. And it's just amazing what they do. You that's
0: know? A, That's really cool. Yeah. It's such a great cause that who wouldn't support that? You know, that's, that's what I love about promoting charities like that. Cause it's like everybody, we can all get behind that, you know?
1: Yeah. And it was all never the funniest part of that day. we They introduced us to this little group of kids that were kind of in remission and starting to do good. And uh, Mark Slaughter is great with doing funny voices. And so he yeah. was rolling off some Donald Duck. And this little kid marches up right in his face and goes, you're crazy. <laughs> it was classic, man. It was like, but kids are awesome, man.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, such a terrible thing. Kid, kids getting sick just doesn't seem right. So that's great. There's St. Jude's out there to kind of help help with that because it's a terrible thing. Yeah. Cool. Was- All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this. And uh, yeah, I'll see you on Tucson this summer, I guess. It'll be hot as hell. So uh, we're shorts.
1: Yeah, it's, it's right toward the end of it. Well, I know we're doing Tucson. And then the following night, we're in Las Vegas. So
0: Oh, Vegas is fun, too. I'm going there this weekend for the NFL draft. So that should be fun.
1: Uh, cool, man. Yep. Well, we'll be in touch. and uh, Okay. Absolutely. I'll, I'll play you some of that stuff. Either. Okay.
0: Cool. Sounds good. Thanks so much. See you later. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks again to Paul Taylor for coming on the show. Make sure to check out the Winger website for tour dates and follow Paul and Winger on social media for more updates. Uh, Paul's Instagram is fun. He posts some good stuff on there. That's how I found him. Uh, I'm on there too. If you want to follow me, my podcast account is... And on Instagram and my podcast account on TikTok, I post short clips of the episodes. So you can get a little preview uh, and make sure to follow me somewhere or subscribe to the show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or YouTube, or wherever you listen or watch. Uh, we have some exciting guests coming up, some music related people, some non music related people, all super interesting. In my opinion, I love to keep the show eclectic. It keeps it fun for me and hopefully for the listeners too. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, I do want to make a short announcement. Uh, we recently had a friend of mine pass away unexpectedly in a car wreck. Uh, so I'd like to dedicate this episode to her. Uh, not that she was a big fan of, of Paul Taylor or Winger or any of that stuff, but uh, she was just a good friend. Uh, April Whale, I'm thinking about you. So I just want to dedicate this to her. And um, she, it was very inspirational. So I'm, life is short. So just something to think about for everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your day. And remember to shoot for the moon.